Uh, welcome back to Division One Rejects. Kobe Manzo, uh, joined by Mitch Howell today. Not the usual crew, but it is the usual podcast. Glad to be back and uh, doing some more talking of the football. So we sports. got a couple, yeah, sports. Got a couple good guests today. First, we'll be joined by the running back coach and special teams coordinator from Michigan Tech University. That's Phil Milbrath. He's the man. And we'll be joined by Jordan Thompson, who is the wide receiver coach and recruiting coordinator at ASA College in Miami, the only JUCO football program in Florida. ASA. So, what? <laughs> You're on a roll. But I was just that would be, I, I don't know, I, we talked to him and that, that was kind of an interesting piece. I don't really understand still. I don't think he, under, it didn't sound like he understood yeah, I'm confused. the, I'm the rules. I'm but confused. either way, some good conversation with guests today. Otherwise, we talk about the NFL. Obviously, the biggest news is the draft. Draft, the recap, our biggest winners and losers from the draft, how we rank the Lions and their selections from the first through the, what, seven rounds? Uh, seven rounds in the draft? I believe. Are you asking me? If I'm asking. Seven I'm asking. The draft? Yes. Yeah, there's seven. Okay. I want to make sure I'm correct. <laughs> Otherwise, Aaron Rodgers is potentially looking, not potentially, he's really looking to get out of Green Bay. So we'll touch on that and, um, you know, kind of the weird series of events that actually started on draft day, mm-hmm. right? So Aaron Rodgers, and he has never directly released any of this information. It's all come from a source that reports this on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's a quiet guy, though. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell. But I don't understand why you wouldn't at some point just come out and address it. We'll talk about that later. Um, On the college football side of things, nothing major um, on college football side of things. But at our level, the GLIAC level, Division II, Northwood is moving out of the GLIAC, the Great Lakes Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Thank you. I had to to just go. I'll do that right at the top of the head there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're heading out after the 2021. So in 2022, they're moving out. So what type of implications that has on the GLIAC as well as D2 college football? We'll touch on that later. Um, but as always, you can find the video version of the podcast on YouTube. If you're watching now, appreciate you. Um, and you can listen pretty much anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast. I mean, you name it. Like we have... Pretty much all the platforms. Impressive. We got a monopoly on the podcast That's game. Impressive. But follow us on Twitter at D1 underscore rejects and on Instagram at Division One Rejects to see highlights from the show. But first, our first guest on today's episode is the fourth all-time leading rusher in Michigan Tech history, where he was a first-team All-American and a finalist for the Harlan Hill Award. He's now back with the Huskies, coaching running backs and coordinating special teams. It's Coach Phil Milbrath. What's going on, Coach? Glad to get you on. Hey, glad to be here, Colby. It's, uh, I really appreciate you reaching out to me and getting me on the show. And uh, it, it's a uh, heck of an introduction. I know that. Geez. Oh, yeah. I mean, shoot, if you have all those accolades, I think it'd be a disservice to not at least mention all of those. Like, you were the dude back in your day. Yeah, that's uh, still are like a long too. Time I don't know, man. <laughs> no, you still are. When I, went up there, now, but... when I went up there on my visit and you were moving around, getting us worked out, I was like, this dude could put on the pads and still play. And I'm sure a lot of your guys up there believe the same thing. Yeah, you know what? I think I'd help out to uh, contribute to a lot of three and outs. You know, so I could survive a couple of those. I could survive a couple of those, and that'd be be about it. So it's probably best if I don't put the pads on again. Oh, my God. I mean, the first thing, seriously, every time the first thing I hear when your name comes up, especially, like, with guys at Northern who have been around and know you, it's like, sure. uh, that guy was a stud, or immediately they bring up some game, and it's like they'll just start rattling off a stat line from a game, just like this many yards, this many touchdowns, he did this, he did that. And I think that is, like, the greatest form of a comp like a compliment almost is that that memory is just stuck in their head, right? Like they can't get rid of that. And they remember that game or that moment that you have just kind of taken over. And I guess you're just living rent free in these guys' heads. <laughs> yeah, maybe some of them, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously being a, being a UP guy uh, growing up and everything, it was, uh, that series meant a little bit to us and of course that game every year. And, and actually I'm sure we'll touch on it at some point when we mentioned that the minors cup's been with Michigan tech for, 
well, over 11 years now. Yeah, but, it has. Uh, yeah, actually, I was playing the last time that the Miners' Cup was in Marquette. So, okay. Um, not all not all experiences were, were, were smiles at the end of the day, that's for sure. Well, that's good to hear because I was going to ask you, I mean, is that like a, a tale of, I know recently, like you said, 11 years, the Miners' Cup, for those of you who do not know who are from the UP or don't know of Gulliac football, uh, Northern Michigan University and Michigan Tech play for it every year, and it's been kind of a UP battle, the two biggest, well, I guess you have Finlandia too, but um, really the football in the UP is Northern Michigan and Tech, so that that trophy has gone back and forth for a long time, but really it has stayed in Houghton for the last 11 years. Now, did that reside, like you said, it was in Marquette at some point during your playing days, so that was uh, still a little bit more competitive back then? Well, you know, I want to say that because, you know, even the games now, although Michigan Tech's come on the winning yeah. end, you know, 10 straight times. And like I said, not not playing last year for 11 years now, but uh, every game has been competitive. And then, you know, that kind of speaks to the testament of the rivalry itself. Yeah. You know, uh, there'll be times where Michigan Tech might be heading into that game six and two and Northern Michigan, um, you know, might be two and four or, or two and six, excuse me, or, 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 you know, three and five. But at the end of the day, it's coming down to a, a late turnover or, or, you know, a big stop on a fourth down, like my first year back here at Michigan Tech in 2017. So um, it's always been really competitive. And even, um, you know, back the last time um, that, that it's been in Marquette, uh, when Northern Michigan beat Michigan Tech, was 2009. So it had been my junior year. Okay. That was not a competitive game. So we, we got to take into it pretty good. Man. Um, I, I want to say it was somewhere along the lines of 40-something to, to 10 or 12. or um, It was ugly, though. So uh, that was the last time I was in Marquette. And actually, my true freshman year, Northern Michigan beat us on a goal line stand as well in 2007. So, uh, unfortunately, I was just two for four. So, I, I can't speak to, to the numbers that a lot of Michigan Tech, especially <laughs> recent grads, have. But uh, uh, either way, it was a great series. And I got to play against a lot of guys that, you know, went to Northern Michigan that were opponents in high school and that you knew growing up and everything yeah. like that. So, like I said, it was um, – you kind of hit it on the head early when you said that those were kind of the two big college football programs in the UP. Well, mm-hmm. um, that was certainly a growing up for, for my high school buddies and even high school opponents and whatnot. Everybody knew who Northern was. Everybody knew who Tech was. Of course. And you spent some time at Finlandia, correct? As uh, It was an assistant athletic director or something along those lines? Yeah. So, so actually, so I um, – after I got done playing here and then I got my degree in 2011 – um, I actually stuck around and got my MBA, my master's in business, and okay. was a graduate assistant strength conditioning coach here at the time for two and a half years. So kind of got my foot in the door a little bit coaching that way and um, worked with a guy named Kim Driscoll, and he was the defensive coordinator at Michigan Tech at the time. Sweet. Um, and when Michigan, yep, so when Finlandia decided to start a football program in 2014, um, you know, they got a hold of Tim Driscoll. Um, he became their head coach, and, and I was just getting done with grad school, like I mentioned. So Tim had given me an opportunity to come in and kind of work part-time with him and be his director of football operations and kind of help him get that thing off the ground. So awesome. Um, it was a great opportunity. I got to see, you know, uh, not a lot of people can say they walk into an empty office on day one and, and uh, say, here you go, build a football program, right? So there's, there's your challenges and there's, a, there's exciting parts of that as well. Um, but I got an opportunity doing that. So I actually – um, did that for a full year until 2015 when Finlandia actually got to play its first game. Um, and at that time, you know, I never really went to school to be a, a coach. I, I went to be, you know, I went through sports management and then I got my master's in business and I was thinking more administration along the line. So, okay. um, you know, the director of football ops right away was kind of more in the direction I was looking ahead, but then um, kind of a coaching opportunity came about in that first year. And um, I guess needless to say, coaching kind of found me. Um, yeah. I'm glad it has, obviously, as I've had a great time with it and, um, the opportunity to, to give back to the students that, you know, and have the same types of experience that I had as a student athlete. That's, that's all part of it. But uh, going back to the original question with Finlandia, then, yeah, so I spent a couple of years coaching football there and then became an assistant athletic director. I um, was there for about eight months doing that position. Okay. Um, and then 
Michigan Tech had an opening, uh, kind of had some staff changes as Coach Curley, my coach at Michigan Tech here, actually retired after the 2016 season. So going into the fall of 2017, they needed a running back coach. And, um, you know, the eight months I spent away from coaching and doing more of the administrative stuff kind of made me miss the coaching piece a little bit. So I bet. Um, decided, to, decided to get back to that. And obviously it kind of made the decision easier to kind of get back to my alma mater and Michigan Tech and, and totally. get back to working there. And, and like I said, kind of give – student athletes a chance to have that same experience that I had as a student athlete. And I feel like that hire would have had to been so obviously easy for them, especially you being pretty closely removed from the program and then being able to come back as I don't know, I guess for lack of a better term, a new regime started to uh, to step in, excuse me, but um, I did want to say back to the the rivalry piece about Northern and and Michigan Tech, you talk about how competitive it was and how really that is a good testament to that rivalry. I know Mitch is a Michigan guy and one of the most notable (laughs) rivalries in college sports, right? is Michigan, Ohio State. And you sure, look at yeah. that and you look at the dominance, the one sided dominance that has been like the last couple of years. That, unfortunately it has right? been that way. You're a Michigan yeah, guy I'm, too. I'm, I'm a Michigan guy, oh, go man. blue, but uh, oh, man. But, but uh, yeah, it's it's been rough to watch that one too. Do you think that takes I mean, not just in that situation alone or in like the Michigan Tech versus Northern, do you think that taints like the almost the history of a rivalry at all? Or do you think it kind of just like all rivalries have those types of ebbs and flows? I want both of you guys kind of to touch, I, to touch I do, on that. Yeah, sure. Sure. So I'll, I'll go first, Mitch. And, and I think that it, uh, every rivalry is going to have ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. Um, that That's what makes it a rivalry. And, and if it's a good one, yeah. I'm sure what coaches, I'm sure coaches uh, on either side are telling everybody that exactly it. It just takes one game to get it go, going back the other way. Um, but now if, let's just say I'm a 10 year old little kid and I grow up and I'm, I'm watching Michigan, Ohio state and, um, you're 10 years old. You really don't know about Michigan doing much, right? So That's true. Yeah. Y- you know, so you you might hear and you might see like in the pregame shows and things like that on how great the rivalry is and how story it is, and, and you see the old film footage of uh, you know Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes. But to you, you're not going to have that value of it. So I do think yeah. it's kind of a generational thing. The younger generation is not going to think much of the rivalry, but um, you know, even when I was growing up, Michigan was it was more competitive. So yeah, um, I, I do think though ultimately. Um, you know, with all rivalries, it's going to go back and forth, and it, it can't just stay one-sided. So um, there are the ebbs and flows, and some take a little bit longer than others. But, but truthfully, I do think that every rivalry is going to kind of make its way back, and I won't say to even, but mm-hmm. back to where it's competitive again. Yeah. Definitely. Well, good good luck following that. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would I just think, like, from my perspective, that, like, tensions are high when you're playing a good team. Yeah. Like, for us, yep. like, if it's Oxford, Clarkson, like, we're mm-hmm. going to come out play the best game that we can. So it's like you're gonna honest, get the other team's best shot, right? Every so time. it's like everybody's got that that blood flowing, and you know it's that time to play like your best game. You know what I'm saying? So I think that rivalry games are just you're gonna get the best from both sides, and it always ends up being a good game because yeah. you know when everybody's out there playing a good football game, it's it's gonna be a close game. And that's all atmosphere. That's emotions running high, and I think that's sometimes when you get. I guess I wouldn't say that makes character. I would say it shows character, right? And that's like when yeah, you can, how you can, how you can retain those emotions and make sure that you're still locked in and be able to play this, this game that is so physical, but also so mental and be able to balance that, which is why I think it's just, it's beautiful, like to be able to watch and be able to play. So hopefully um, I'll still be playing it for a long time, but um, moving on from that and on to you guys this spring, how has, you know, navigating this spring been like, I know, there have been, for us, there have been a lot of, I guess, bumps in the road would be kind of an understatement as far as, like, getting the plug pulled on us. I know you guys had a stint there where you were uh, having to shut down your football operations. So what has been kind of the general message from you guys to your players going through this uh, this spring, kind of just taking that next-day mentality? Well, you know, you know, the first thing I'll mention, and I'm going to say, is, is um, from our coaching staff, from everybody at the Michigan Tech community, it's been 
um, you know, round of applause. The, the student athletes have done just an awesome job of making sure they don't put themselves in kind of an unnecessary situation. Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah. Um, that meant, you know, not a lot of traveling home, especially for first year kids where usually that's that time to travel home, see your family, see your high school buddies, you know, when they make yeah. it back home. Well, you know, our guys didn't have a chance to do that. Um, everybody kind of stayed within the same households and, and the same groups of people that they lifted with and practiced with. And so, um, you know, honestly, when we got to the spring, we didn't really have much for hiccups. Um, there was every, you know, every few weeks you'd have something come up where um, you'd have to go through like a contact tracing. But, um, yeah. you know, honestly, we were kind of proactive about everything and, and made sure that, you know, if anybody did end up with a positive case, um, that basically um, they were just going to take their roommates and then a direct like lifting partner with them. Of so course, even like yeah. how we structured practice, how we uh, did a lot of our drills, we had to kind of modify and do a little bit differently so that it wouldn't get to that point. Unfortunately, we didn't get to put in many hard situations in that, in that, you know, in that scenario. But, uh, you know, it was, you know, as, as far as like the difficulties and things that would take you out of a normal routine, you know, we had to basically take our entire weight room, take it out of the weight room and use the entire multi-purpose room that we have at Michigan Tech. So Seriously. We had enough space to keep everybody spread out. Okay. Um, and that was for all the teams. So that, that ended up working out very nice. You could fit, you know, you wouldn't have to go through 25 different lifting groups throughout the day. Um, yeah, a lot more space. And then we had to keep all of our group sizes down and, and, and like I said, staying with, with partners and with masks up and, you know, obviously the, the multiple testing times a week. And so mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of hoops to jump through to make it work. And uh, like I said, it, it, the hat's off to our guys. Um, and I can't speak for anybody else's program, but hats off to our guys for how they handled everything, how they took care of their business so that they could have a, a good productive spring football season and then move forward into the summer. Oh, yeah, that's good to hear. Um, I know for us, like lifting – and, you know, you get into that college environment and as a testosterone-filled 19-year-old, all you want to do is go in there and show these guys that you're the real deal, right? You can put up yep, some weight. Sure, you can man. go yeah, knock sure. around so some we, people. Yeah. We, had, we, had, we had some some freshmen that were a little bit uh, little ambitious, you know, <laughs> when they got to get around the older guys for the first time in the weight room this winter. So, uh, um, no, I feel what you're saying, man. man. I, I got to see it firsthand. So. Yeah, and so it was, it was hard sometimes because – um, for us, I know we put up these, like the plastic dividers in between the racks, everybody's on yeah. their own at their own rag and station and whatever. And it really takes the group emphasis out of the group lifts where you oh, have 100%. those, we have the guys we're like three or you know two or three guys to a rack and you're rotating through and everybody's going nuts when you're on your set yeah, it's and not you the get, same. oh, it is not, not the same. And it's hard. It's really hard to emulate that. And sometimes it's, it's a struggle for me when I'm at home, I'm lucky enough to have a, like a little home gym in my house where I get most of my working out in, but it's like. You cannot tell me that. I don't care how intense you go at home. Like, there's no way you can emulate that type of environment. Oh, no, I don't think no, you could PR anything, anywhere near where you could PR when you got exactly dudes around you exactly. Screaming, like, it's a whole. Different- so I think I think that's the challenge right now. Is like you said, even when you do eliminate those hiccups from the COVID, uh, the contact tracing yep. and other things like that, is to try and get back to I guess that 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 pre-COVID that normal that to get back to that type of production that you want from your guys but it sounds like you guys did a really good job of that now moving on to the spring unfortunately uh between us and uh, Bemidji State we both had to back out of the scrimmage but you guys got to travel down to Minnesota Duluth and I cannot tell you how upset I was about that um first of all because (laughs) of you know just our team just um you know we just didn't have the the personnel to be able to go down and travel which sucked but um selfishly too like uh in our running back room we were experiencing a couple um, a couple guys had to had to be out for different reasons, so I was going to have sure, a chance yeah. to you know maybe get on the field. And like I said, that's yeah. all you want to do is go out and prove yourself. So that sucked. But um, for you guys, you have that uh, game day almost type of experience because you have that one opponent and you're going down and traveling and you know that ahead of time. So did you really treat it uh, just like that as a game day, or what was the preparation going into that? 
Well, you know, you know, we, as we went through our spring, um, you know, as, as most college football pro- programs are going to do, um, the emphasis is getting better, you know, yourself. Not necessarily game planning opponent, but working on the Very things true. that you yeah. need to work on and, and, you know, the fundamentals and the building blocks so that, um, you know, from an offensive side, that can translate to no matter what kind of defense you see, no matter what the structure is or how aggressive the defense is, mm-hmm. um, based on your fundamentals and your principles, you should be fine, right? So we spent most of the spring worrying about us. And then w- with about a week left to it, um, we, we got to see a little bit of what, what Minnesota Duluth did. And they got to see a little bit of what we did. So yep. um, we kept everything very vanilla. Um, everything was, you know, um, base as far as your first, second down type stuff. Um, you know, the Duluth defense wasn't going a bunch of exotic different looks on us. And the same as we weren't, you know, emptying out the backfield going crazy or, or giving them a bunch of exotic looks or things course, that we yeah. wouldn't normally do as part of our base offense. So what we ended up doing is keeping everything, like I said, pretty vanilla. And then um, we kind of, you know, the coaching staffs obviously met prior to the scrimmage a bunch of times. So um, made sure that everybody's on the same page with what the tempos were going to be and how long we we're going to do things and how many plays we we're going to go. So yep. everything pretty, stayed pretty controlled. And, and um, what it ultimately did was gave, um, you know, one, you know, your starters, your older guys, a chance to kind of get it back going a little bit, right? Feel those juices a little bit, go through a pregame routine, get I in bet, there yeah. um, and play, play limited reps, obviously. Um, but the big piece was, you know, the, a lot of younger guys, the second and third string guys are got a lot of reps and, and mm-hmm. got a chance to not only from the coaching side, you start to see a lot of guys and how you're going to build depth, but also for those players, like you mentioned, right? It's, it's been a couple of years, um, strap up the pads, go show yourself, right? Oh, yeah. Sometimes a big time for young players to go turn that corner and, and prove themselves and get themselves onto the travel squad. So um, it was, a, it was a valuable piece for us and, and we can't thank Duluth enough for putting that on for us. And unfortunately, like I said, you guys couldn't make it over, but it is for, for a lot of those younger guys to kind of prove themselves, turn the corner. It was, it was a big day for them. So um, we were fortunate, like I said, to be able to make it. And, and obviously there's different cases like you guys in Bemidji where just that some personnel, it wasn't worth it to make that type of trip. So we understood that obviously, but yeah. uh, like I said, we were fortunate to be able to get it in and we're, we're pretty happy about it. And it'll be interesting too, for me to kind of uh, almost now be on the other side of that. Obviously I didn't get a season, um, like I would have, I would have loved in the fall and or the spring right. or whatever. But um, I had the chance now to practice. We got twenty some practices in in the spring, so I've had a chance yep. to, you know, kind of establish myself as of the other younger guys. So now to be on the other side of that and to see, um, you know, this next class really we're gonna have, if you look at it, like three freshman classes in the fall because you have the kids that were redshirted that haven't really had yep. that playing time, my class, and now the incoming freshman class. Yep, so it'll be, right. it'll be a very interesting blend. Yeah. It'll be a very interesting blend of guys to see. Um, you know, who ends up getting on the field. And it'll be a lot of proving, like a, a big proving ground, right, coming in the fall. So it, it I certainly think... will. And, I, you know, even talking to some of the older guys on our, our team, um, you know, without a, a fall camp this fall. And that's usually yeah. where you get a chance to actually mix, you know, those incoming freshmen. A hundred percent. Grow up in a hurry when it's fall camp, when it's all football for two, two and a half weeks. And, and you're in a locker room and meetings all day with nothing but those older guys, right? But without that this fall, um, even like going back to what you said, we were able to do a little, little bit more in the spring than, than you guys were able to this year. But um, that was really the first time for those guys to get to mix with, with those upperclassmen. So, I bet, yeah. um, you know, with a fall camp this year, it'll still be still a little bit uh, fresh to some of the kids that are in their first year like you are right now. But then mm-hmm. again, yeah, you add on your, your 2025 new kids coming in. It's going to be uh, a lot of faces to remember for, for some of the older guys. That's for sure. I bet. Yeah, they really have. Like you said, they haven't had the chance to uh, to really meet all the guys and get get acquainted with them. And that was interesting for me. Like, I remember sitting down one day and I was like, I've been here for two months and I don't know a ton of my teammates. Really? Like that just yeah. Like that was Still? really no. Now it's yeah. now I'm over. Like now after the you spring, know mostly everybody. Yeah, pretty much okay. everyone. So now after the spring, I I finally have you know I think the guys That's have gotten over that. Then, yeah. And like 
I mean, obviously I'm a pretty social guy. Like I talk to people. I'm not just going to sit there and do my thing. So um, for me, that was really weird. That was really odd to sit there and be like a month or two in. And like, I don't know like who this guy is that I'm lining up across from. So (laughs) like, that's just, it's just odd. It was such an odd feeling. But before we let you go, I did want to touch on uh, the Northwood situation. So they announced last Thursday, as you, as you, um, I'm sure saw that they'd be moving not only their football team, but all 18 of their varsity sports competing at the division two level to the great Midwest athletic conference or the GMAC as we know it. But I assume this came as a bit of a surprise to you or have you seen this coming? Cause I sure as hell did not. No, honestly, from my perspective, um, you know, uh, just as assistant football coach did not see this coming. Um, <laughs> and it was a bit of a surprise. So it, we'd heard, um, uh, you know, last week, like you said, when they made that announcement um, that with all the teams. So yeah, um, not just, you know, like we talked about rivalries earlier, just between Northern Michigan and mm-hmm. Michigan tech, but in the GLIAC, every game you play is a rivalry game because everything is so tight and everything's so competitive. Yeah. Um, and Northwood's been a part of everything since 2007 when I got to school at Michigan Tech. So yep. not just, like I said, not just the, the football rivalries and the, and, the, and the every year matchup you get with them, but, you know, you're also seeing them a couple times a year up in our gymnasium for women's and men's basketball, and you're also seeing them for volleyball. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be tough to see them. You know, like I said, we get one more year with them in the league, but uh, yep. it was tough to see them go. Um, but, you know, the, the GLIAC kind of went through the same – I think a couple of years ago when, when Hillsdale and, and, you know, like Finley and yeah. Lake Erie and those guys all went down to that, that same conference and, and Ashland will be doing the same this year. So exactly. Um, yeah, it'll, it's be, it'll great be a transition year. period for sure. And, and um, a lot of people are going to have to put their thinking caps on and, and kind of make up for the, for what's going to be missing with Northwood there. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I wish them the best of luck with whatever they're going to do and, of course. and down in their new conference. But uh, yeah, at the same time, it's going to be tough to see them go. Like I said, they've been around ever since. I really got involved with the GLIAC. So yeah. um, anytime you see members like that, t- you know, take off and leave, it's uh, it's a little bit disappointing. But Yeah, and it's um, interesting because a lot of those – Every place has an understanding for it. So. Yeah, a lot of those schools too, like you mentioned, like the Finley, the Lake Erie, those type of schools. Yeah. Um, they were like Indianapolis and those t- other type of schools. But they were – a lot of Ohio schools. Ashland is a, is a good example yeah. too that, you know, they're not really in the heart of GLIAC territory and maybe that had a, a factor to play, especially when a lot of your local opponents had some solid squads. Like I know Finley's got a really solid squad right now. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Northwood is right in the heart of, of really everything. Yeah. And so it's interesting. We'll, we'll kind of dive into it uh, more later. But like you said, making up for that lack of Northwood, I mean, how soon, if you were just to give me a rough guess, like in your opinion, like how soon do you think we might have some some different competition in the GLIAC? Because right now as it stands, I think we only have, what is it, six six squads right now? Yep. So, so I you know, as far as a timeline, I can't give you anything real accurate. Yeah, but, uh, that's totally fine. I'd be willing to bet that uh, yeah, I'd be willing to bet that all the all the presidents and athletic directors are, um, as we you know as we speak as we sit here talking oh, yeah. about it, already kind of got the gears turning a little bit and, and trying to figure out ways. So um, I'd be willing to bet that, it, that it's going to be sooner rather than later that, mm-hmm. that we figure out something or that, that what's going to happen with the GLIAC as far as um, expansion or or what's going to replace Northwood. But um, like I said, I couldn't I couldn't give you a, a definitive timeline. I'd like to think that um, sometime in this academic year here. Um, in the first half of it anyway there'd be there'll be something yeah um, at least some kind of plan or a couple different plans passed around yeah that'll be interesting and I would think there'd be no lack of people wanting to get into the GLAC you know with the the level of football so that'll be really interesting looking forward but coach cannot thank you enough it's been a great conversation appreciate you coming on absolutely I appreciate you guys having me on and and, uh, obviously good luck with everything and then Mitch good luck with everything with your with your season and your summer so thank you um, as well yeah you guys take care of business and work hard this summer and and Colby Colby hopefully we run into you here this fall Yes, sir. I hopefully, hopefully uh, running into a lot of those guys in the fall, but coach, <laughs> yeah, you got it. Man. Really appreciate you. Have a good one. Yeah. We'll see you guys.
Good conversation with Coach Milbrath. Talked a little bit about uh, kind of everything, actually. It was interesting to see. So he, his guess was that the GLIAC would have a, some type of new announcement in this academic year, right, we'll as far see, as new yeah. competition. They said they're and probably that, working on that it. That wouldn't surprise me. That would not surprise me at all because I feel like, like I kind of hinted at him, like there has to be a plethora of schools trying to get into the GLIAC. You know what I mean? Like, doubt, like yeah. schools want to go in and compete. 100%. I would assume, unless you're Northwood and you it's, just don't want to hang with though, the big dogs. To see like what type of schools can exactly fit in that because exactly. I mean you've got to have like a certain caliber of things like school size, you know, stadium size, like things like that. And it's you know they're kicking schools out that that yeah. already have these requirements. I know, I know. And now they're you know who not necessarily kicking out. Them. It doesn't sound well, like they're kicking in. Yeah, but exactly. So uh, that'll be interesting to see, but. To kind of move on from that, talking to the NFL realm a little bit, the draft. The draft was uh, a pretty good one. I think there was – it might have been a record because it was something about the quarterbacks. I don't know, like a, a ton of quarterbacks selected. I mean, obviously, you had the top three. Yeah, you had the top three. Then you had Mac, And you had a couple go in the later – like the. I don't know if anywhere in the second round, to be honest. I think like third round, though, you had a couple get picked up. Um, Kyle Trask went to the Bucks a little bit later, right? And then yeah. you had – who else? Who else went later that I'm trying to think of? But – um, Quarterback-wise, though, I mean, there's a pretty successful draft, and I think that's something that we're going to be seeing a lot more often, mm-hmm. like almost every year. That's how it's changing. Right, because there's just so much responsibility that is now put on that position and put on the shoulders of those guys, just even fresh out of college. Um, but the first two picks basically locks with uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, and then Zach Wilson, which I'm not in the Zach Wilson train. Really? Dude, people were talking about him going to the Lions for a while before his draft stock kept mm-hmm. going up, and I was like, I don't want to see it. As soon as I saw, I like as as soon as I saw the Coastal Carolina game and how rattled he was, like emotionally and mentally, I was I was out. I was out on Zach Wilson. He's not. I'm not a Zach Wilson guy. Dude, it's a quarterback. I'd have taken though. Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. Really easily. Look at the See, caliber. Look at the, look at the caliber. Right, but look at the Ohio State quarterback curse. Yeah, but I I mean that's, how, that's what I think. Like, I would oh, I don't take think that. I take Fields that with the, is going to do much. Like like I take that with a grain of salt. Uh, he was comparing him to Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And I thought that was a great comparison because I only think Jalen Hurts' ceiling is so high. Like, we're going to see that this season. He really? came out and impressed people, but mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts can't can't throw the, really throw the ball. We'll see. Like We'll see. He can't really throw the ball. I mean, not, he's not a prolific passer. I would agree. But I think, like I don't know if his ceiling, deep, I don't know if his ceiling is as short as you think it is, though. No, I'm hoping for. I Especially, really want, and I was, and I was on the, the other side of this. Yeah, but the more I'm like looking at him and watching him, like I. So really my don't. reason is that the way the quarterback position is trending, with more responsibility comes the need for a more athletic and dual threat quarterback. Right. We've seen that across the league, and Jalen Hurts fits that description. Yeah, but almost you still got to be able to throw. That's the most important. He does need to be able to throw. He 100 percent needs to be needs to be and able to throw. The, and he's not like a. It's interesting because you have guys like a, a Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, I think, are pretty comparable as far as their type of skill set, at least okay, that I've seen. That's fair. Um, but then, like, Jalen Hurts doesn't really fit into that category, mm-hmm. but he's not a pocket passer. But he's also not like a Cam Newton, like a bruiser type, like a runner type. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, he's a weird. We have I to mean, see. I would compare him probably to Cam Newton more than anyone else. I don't know if I would, though. I think not Cam's like, style is very unique. And that's what that that so MS, his, that so MVP year that MVP year was 2014 I believe that's like I, teams really didn't, didn't really know what to do with Cam because they couldn't figure him out so that would, for me that's and he was obviously dominant but um, that'll be really interesting now as far as um, the rest of the draft goes 49ers take Trey Lance some of them had suspected Mac Jones is going to go at three so that was yeah. kind of that was kind of a big uh, I like you know. Pick. I like it too. I think that the, they they traditionally go with the pro now, style quarterbacks, and then Trey Lance is going to give him a. Different he is, look. and that offense is especially with the run game that they have. Uh, the 49ers. I think he'll fit into that coming from NDSU, but he has the least amount of pass attempts um, 
for a first-round quarterback, I think, in the last 40 years. Which is fine. You think so? No, You're smiling like not, crazy. It's, it's not, not fine. It is not fine. But, I mean, I think the kid's going to ball It's a, a gamble. Bit. It's a gamble. That's and what I'm he saying. was, but he you're was talking one of the about best the dressed. quarterback. He was one of the best dressed. And you're he talking about, yeah. Oh, he's a he, good-looking. Like, he's a he's ball. A he's a good-looking dude. Yeah, big dude. He's 6'5". <laughs> six, six, but, look, here's my thing. The thing is, is, is he didn't play his that last season and all yep. that. But like he got, I really he had one that, one or two games in the fall he played. But I really think but the kid's gonna spring. come out here and ball. Like he hasn't really so. shown his talent yeah. in a long time. I'd agree with you. I like the pick, and for he's that. the most athletic out of these dudes. Like he's yeah, he's versatile. He's now, gonna do a lot of things. Biggest winner for me though, Patriots. That's what that's immediately that's what came to mind. Who didn't think that was gonna happen? I, that's the very Patriot esque thing to happen, happen, right? We were sitting there. That's talking very Patriot esque, dude. Mac Jones pick at fifteen. That's going to be great for them. Yeah, so, so right now you've got Cam Newton. He's back on another one year, I believe, mm-hmm. right? So really Matt can play that role of a backup, but really he it seems like it. what it seems like is happening is they're going back to that non-athletic quarterback system because they like that and they're used to yeah. that. They draft those – or not draft. They pick up in free agency those two tight ends, right? Hunter Henry and uh, – I'm blanking on the other one's good. name. But two – and. This is the most money that almost any team has spent in free agency, right? Like, Belichick backed up the Brinks truck, and he was just unloaded. Right. Money. I think it's because, all right, here's my my little bit of New England. But before you go, like, the two tight end set, that means you're going back to that pro-style pocket-type offense. Like, you're not going to be spreading the field out with those type of guys. It's so a that's conspiracy, though, because they know they— Conspiracy. Hear, hear me out. Okay. They had Tom Brady. Okay. They won all these Super Bowls with they Tom Brady. They did do that. The slowest, most unathletic, had the terrible body. Mm-hmm. They get Mac Jones, who's— Dang near the same thing. He's just a little dad bod. So, just a complete genius on the field. But he's a stud. But he's a good player. And they're going to go, and Belichick's going to teach him everything in the next two years. Belichick's going to be out. He's going to have the same team Brady did, and he's going to say, go win as many Super Bowls as Brady did. Even though I don't think Mac Jones is going to do that. Yeah. Well, it'd but be hard for anyone to do that. But um, for me, what's interesting, and is someone made a great point on I get up the other day, and they're talking about how Mac Jones doesn't need to be a great quarterback. And I was like, what, what the hell does that mean, right? Like, Trevor Lawrence needs to come in and have an impact. Yep. He needs to be a great quarterback. Very true. You know what I mean? Zach Wilson needs to come in and have a great quarterback. But Mac Jones needs to be a great facilitator. He needs to know how to run the offense and run it very efficiently and facilitate the plays to get them to, down the right. field, right? He's going to have to make big plays because you're a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. But those plays are going to come, like, I think few and far in between is what somebody was saying. And I thought that was a pretty good point because of the system that he's being put into. Definitely. So, for me he's going to have a chance to have a lot of success very early on, right? Now, whether that comes so. this year or next year after Cam or whether, you know, because it sounds like as of now Cam's going to be the starter still, right? Oh, he will So, be. yeah, exactly, and he, he as he be. should be. But, you know, for me moving on, he's going to be in a position where he could have a lot of success initially just because of the system that he's in. That's and I think true. it could fit him very well. So, um, otherwise, though, the Patriots, they got a few steals on both sides of the line in their second and third rounds. They got a defensive end in the second round. I believe they got a guard in the third round. So, they shored up a little bit of the interior um, of that team. I know their defense could definitely use a few pieces, but really it was um, the, the free agent signings that they got. And there were a lot of them. Mm-hmm, um, so, that's going to be it's gonna be very interesting because that's not Bill Belichick's style, right? Usually, he's the one that's, you know, people are trying to get free agents from mm-hmm. the Patriots, not the other way around. So, that was pretty interesting. Who was the biggest winner from you from the draft? Anybody come to mind? See, that's a tough question. It is I a tough question. That, it's loaded. <laughs> I think that just getting Trevor Lawrence in that draft with Urban Meyer is going to be really dangerous. I agree. Like, I think, like, we're, that, like we're, we might have just watched. And I hate saying that because it's so young and so early, but I think yeah. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the next, like. The dude has not lost a game 
I know. Did you see that oh, yeah. stat? He, he didn't. He hasn't lose. lost a game since middle school. Probably. Doesn't like, lose. He probably didn't even lose in middle school. He probably, like, I probably never it. lost he... a game of thunder <laughs> or lightning. Like I swear, the kid's gonna go seventeen and zero, and then just be like, "Yeah, I do this." Oh, dude! And then Jacksonville after last year, they win that first game, and that tweet goes out about not being satisfied. One and zero, and it's like hashtag <laughs> not satisfied. And somebody quoted it after the season and was like, "Evidently, they were satisfied." Yeah. <laughs> it was but a lie. it'll it'll be interesting too. They got Etn too. They got Travis Etn. So okay, right? I'm trying to think, but yeah, that's so okay. That's his back in Clemson. Let's be honest. What? That's a that, them two. The steal. Yeah, them two and are gonna be. Yeah, so you would assume the chemistry's got to be there already for those two. So that's gonna. We saw a lot of uh, guys reunited with former teammates. We had uh, Jalen Hurts obviously gets Devontae Smith with the Eagles, Tua. right? Then you had Tua and Jalen Waddle uh, with the Dolphins, um, and there are a few other ones that that I just are escaping my head right now. But those are the three yeah. that kind of popped out to me. Um, biggest loser. Anyone who for me it was the Ravens. Why? Oh, but thank you for propelling me into my yeah, next why point. Why was it? Even though they got help on the outside, because the wide receiver position was something that they really needed. Because right now they had uh, Hollywood Des out there, Bryant. right? <laughs> Des yeah, Des, throw up the X. He ain't gonna be throwing up the X from the retirement home pretty soon. <laughs> but really, <laughs> they really? had uh, they had Hollywood out there, right? Hollywood Brown. Yeah, they didn't use him at all last season at all. Now the Depressing. thing was, I saw Hollywood play in person. And he's he's very fast. He's just not a very conventional receiver. He's not a star receiver. He's not a guy, in my opinion, that could be your number one who's going to draw double coverage. You're no. going to have to plan. You're going to have to game know. plan aside of the field. He's not that good. But and he's fast. He's very fast. And he he's a very good complimentary receiver. But the problem is they don't have that stud to That's pair fair. him with. Okay, I like so that. So I thought that was a very interesting point. But so they go in the first round, they pick up Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Talented receiver, He's solid. Talented receiver, but again, I don't. I just with the amount of receivers in this class, I, I thought that they might have a chance. Now they did draft a little bit later, but just for me, I don't know if that really addresses their problem. I guess we'll see. It'll it we'll just have to see because I think he needs to have a great year in order for that pick to be good for them. Well, because they could have gone in some different directions. Tough to put on him because they couldn't have, they couldn't have gone Elijah Moore because he's a shorter guy. And Elijah Moore went off the board what second or third round? He's from Ole Miss, right? Right. But then you had, uh, what's his name? Round. Crawford from LSU. He went second round, I believe. The receiver um, class is so, okay, I really think there's going to be like a lot of fourth round picks that are going to be a lot better. So receiver than class is very picks. weird because the first round receivers don't always, like more than any other position, I feel like receivers are pretty risky. Not last year. Not, not last year. Last you're year correct. was receiver you're, town. That was so much fun for me to watch. Correct. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> that was pretty sweet. That was. Um, but otherwise, though, the Ravens. I don't think they did enough for their secondary either. They picked up two corners, but for me it was interesting. They got a corner from SMU. It's a pretty small school. He's got a decent frame on him. I believe he's like over six foot tall, and he's like, you know, he moves pretty well. But the competition, I don't know, it's just something to think about, right? So that, and they also got a corner from Ohio State, I believe, but they didn't pick him up until the fifth round. So obviously, you know, I just thought they could have addressed that pretty much, like a lot sooner because of some of the the games last year, they kind of let teams get back into them because when it got to a point where they were backing teams to a wall, when you get back into a wall, you pull out all the stops, right? Yeah. So it's all the big play time. And so when that happened, I felt like at times the Baltimore kind of uh, kind of went into a shell and almost got pushed back a little bit. When they backed a team into a wall, they ended up being not the benefactor of it. And That's they get, fair. some big plays were put on them that they sh- really should have never been in Their those situations. Their defensive line is probably the only thing saving that defense. Yeah, so that was one spot they didn't really need to improve. But um, for me, that was one of my biggest losers was the Ravens. Now, how about you? Anything? Anything come to mind? Uh... No, I mean, I wouldn't say that anybody was, like, a terrible loser, no. I no. Just, I don't yeah, I don't think anyone blew it. I, mean, I will say, like, if I was thinking to our, to our maybe, benefit, bro, the Bengals picking up Jamar Chase instead of Penne, I, 
That's, I yeah, think that's going to haunt him. I think it's going to haunt him. Yeah, because Joe Burrow's running the program over there. So I think it's going to haunt him, bro. But Our pick was, can we get to it? Yeah, let's go right now. What let's do we go. think of the Lions? What do we think? in the car. First, first round, of course. It was terrible. It was terrible? No. That's your hot take? No. I'm going to kick you off the couch. <laughs> un- our hot topic? Un- unpopular. Un- popular unpopular opinion. opinion? There it is. There you go. Bingo. Yeah. Touchdown. Did you see that draft room when they got Penne? Oh, yeah. I thought his brother was him. Like, what? clapping. And I'm, like, looking, and I'm, like, oh, that's not him. But he, I, was like, <laughs> he, I was, like, oh, he's high. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, Um, you know, Brad Holmes is going around. He's, he almost knocked over Spielman. They were all so excited. Yeah. And uh, MCDC, Dan Campbell, no, bro, he was were, pumped yeah. up. How can you not be? He's going to be on this team for a minute. He's a – So, now we have three he's first He's a top three pick, I'm sorry, in almost any draft, and especially yeah. without the quarterbacks. Yeah, and he opted out. So imagine if you were if you were playing and he dominated again, what his draft stock would have been. But hey, I'm not complaining. Short um, arm is mine. They always try to find something. Right? They always nitpick. That's what they do. That's their job, though. He's That's the their best job. out there. But for me, um, you know, looking at a guy like that, I just thought it was a no brainer for us. We have three first round draft picks. That's where I was going. Our we have three first line round is... draft picks on the offensive line. It's Sewell, Ragnow, and Decker. I think it is Decker. It could, Decker. Yeah, I think it's Decker. I'm not 100% and sure. And our left guard is pretty solid. I forget his name. But. Either way, when you invest in that, you're going to build it from the inside out. We know that's what Dan Campbell wants to do, so I think he did it right. I think he did it right. Um, as far as the the later round picks, we got that defense. We got a couple defensive tackles. So the first one was the one Washington. was was Washington first, then NC State. Mm-hmm. So the Washington, remember the first He's a stud. the he first clip too. of his highlight reel, bro. Oh my. Gosh, he, he just levels some kid. I can't forget it. I forget his name, but he's actually it's a, Levi, right? They, Levi something. Yeah, they put him in or like a top fifteen pick. And a he, lot yeah, of times. and he tweeted. Uh, he tweeted something about he's like Detroit fam. He's like, what's up with all this kneecap talk? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna learn real quick. You will learn. Hey, Campbell, go teach you. Let boy. me teach you some. Let me no. show you some. I, I like him, but the other second defensive tackle I thought was like, where? Why? why? Agreed. So it I thought I thought that's where we would address our wide receiver situation. Exactly. Because there were still some good wide. Receivers on the board, oh. right? I was so, so mad when we didn't that's, take the wide receiver. That's exactly where I was going with that because I thought they could have addressed the wide receiver situation a little bit earlier. We ended up getting a kid from USC in the fourth round, correct? Amon St. Something. Yeah, was that fourth? That was fourth round, I believe. Maybe it might have been third. Fourth. I, we had back no, it to back, wasn't the third. We had back to back picks in one of the rounds. It, wasn't it was the either third. the third or the fourth. We had back to back picks. Third, we traded. We had back to back picks. I think we but got them later in the third. Oh, maybe uh, late third. But yeah. either way, we took a little bit too long for me to address. That situation. That's what I thought. Otherwise, I though, like that receiver too. Yeah. Oh, he was. He looked he's like a stud. A big, he looks like a frame to him. Pretty yeah. Good, but he's only one ninety five. Um. But they the, the Lions actually had a really good grade. When you look at like the CBS and all the ranking and stuff, they graded him really nicely. So that's a first in a while. Yeah. Um. But to finish off our draft talk, Bears trade up for Fields over Mac Jones. They go to get Fields. Well, how do you think? What do you think about that? Obviously, um. They told Andy Dalton he was going to be QB one in Chicago. It's the Bears. I know. I would be pissed if I'm Justin Fields going to the Bears. Or he did not look happy when he got Why, drafted. Who wants he to go play for the Bears? That's so almost upset. like going to play for the Lions. <laughs> and right now but with their did, history, what they've pissed. been doing with quarterbacks, like you'd almost rather go play under Stafford or something because yeah. Ter- Terbusky, well, gone. Terbusky, terrible. Nick Foles, throw him away. Like everybody just goes, it's like quarterback graveyard, and he's got the Ohio yes. State curse. It's a double. Oh, you know, so now wait a minute. You know what a double, double negative? It could turn, I don't, into, a, it could turn into a positive. Soldier Field it is not having It could turn into a positive. Soldier Field is not having that. Could two wrongs make a right? Who is he? <laughs> 
No. <laughs> Justin Fields, I'm sorry. All right, I usually get one wrong every year. Uh, I always this, get one guy wrong. I always get one it. guy wrong where I'm like, he's not He's not it. <laughs> but he comes this out might be it. I'm year. saying it. I'm saying this is the guy that might be it, but I'm saying Justin Fields is not uh, good. He doesn't have a prolific career at all. Man, but we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers' situation in Green Bay, but first we're going to go talk to Coach Jordan Thompson. Joining us on today's episode is the wide receivers coach and recruiting coordinator at ASA College Miami. It's Coach Jordan Thompson. Coach, what's going on? Nothing much. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Started to start off to a, a good episode back here. D1 rejects a little. It's been uh, it's been a little bit of time off for us, so kind of getting back in the groove of things. What are you up to? Uh, just uh, you know, just going over some stuff for first for practice tomorrow. Uh, going over a little bit of the script and uh, you know, game planning for next week. Good stuff. Yeah, so I was going to ask, you guys are in the uh, the middle of, of a season right now. You guys got to compete in the spring? Yeah. Yeah, we, well, yeah, yeah, we did. Um, we are actually, you know, like I said, uh, you know, our, our last game is uh, is next next Saturday. Okay. Uh, it's kind of been, a, it's been, it's been a, little bit of, a little bit of a struggle, um, you know, just because of COVID and things like that. So, yeah. you, know, we, we, you know, we had an eight-game season planned. Uh, but we're, we'll finish the season only playing, you know, half those games. Man. So, uh, well, half is yeah. better than none. And we had, a, in the GLIAC, we had an eight-game season planned, too, and that got completely scrapped. So I will say that wow. at least. <laughs> yeah, but um, otherwise, the situation for you guys down in the spring, so the plan was for an eight-game season for you guys, but then um, the others got canceled because of just, like, COVID cases or something along those lines? Yeah, a lot of them got canceled, uh, you know, because of COVID cases, uh, you know, a lot of times they were, you know, two or three days before we were scheduled yep. to play, yeah. you know, so it just kind of came out of nowhere and, and, and it's been a little disappointing on our guys, but, you know, we've been doing the best that we can to keep guys uplifted and keep their spirits high, and, you know, just continue to practice like, you know, like I said last day, you know, yeah. uh, we were talking the other day at practice and 10 months ago, we never knew if we were going to put a helmet on ever again. It's wild. You know? so That's, never, I, you're right. Knew when that time was coming, so. You know, so we just kind of tell the guys, hey, just look at it like that and just be thankful that you're, you know, you get this opportunity because a lot of guys, mm -hmm. you know, don't get this opportunity anymore. So, And a lot of guys I know, at least at my level, they had this a little bit of an identity crisis because they hadn't played, especially guys in, in my class, as incoming freshmen, where mm -hmm. after your senior year of high school, you haven't had any football, real football experience, you know, from, and from that. So not being able to put the shoulder pads on, put the helmet on, they're like – trying to figure out what they are without without football, right? So for some guys, it was more challenging right. than others, but I just thought that was really interesting. Now, I read, I think that you guys are the only JUCO football program in Florida? Yeah, we're the only JUCOs. Uh, for some reason, it's some rules that, that, that Florida has. I still don't understand what the rules are. But <laughs> I was going to say. I'm not, I'm not upset with it, but it has something to do with, you know, privacy or, or like I mean, like private schools or public schools or something, really? something along those lines. But yeah, I've been told that you know Florida will never have another JUCO program besides you know ASA Miami. So that is wild. That is crazy. That's I mean, like really especially when you think about like just the high level of football in Florida. Like at the college level, mm -hmm. I mean, you know that it's there, but even at the high school level, right? Florida is one of the top states in the country i would assume and at least i know if in like the best. exactly yeah. so they're always in competition yeah. with schools like texas and uh who else is california, california. Yeah. yeah so yeah so that yeah. for yeah. me that is that is super surprising i would assume then that that gives you guys a good niche to kind of go and get guys especially in your area that are kind of maybe struggling to get to that next level 
yeah. So, you know, so we've really been focusing on, you know, getting a lot of our local talent. So, yeah. So those guys don't, you know, like you said, go to Texas or go to Mississippi, go to Kansas, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So we've really been, uh, you know, trying to get a lot of those local talent kids, uh, you know, that are right there in our backyard. And we treat it, you know, we treat it as, uh, as a, you know, actual college program because of course. we travel, you know, we travel yeah. a lot. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we just flew out to Utah to play snow. That was going to be my uh, question: is, is who you guys were competing with? Not to cut you off there, we talk about an eight-game season, yeah. and if you're the only JUCO in your state, that's got to be a, a pretty yeah. a pretty wide array of teams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before the season started, you know, we were scheduled to to go to Utah, go to Arkansas, go go to uh, you know Georgia. Holy cow! There are there are yeah, there are a bunch of uh, away games on that schedule, so yeah. it, it's. You know, it's it's a good thing because guys learn how to play on the road. You That's know? true. Yeah, guys learn guys learn how to travel. Guys learn they kind of get uh, you know like a resume down as far as okay, let me do this before the game. Let me not do this before you know the night before. So it kind of teaches the guys that once they go off to the four year school, they've already kind of been groomed on how to handle a road game. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of playing a bunch of high, you know playing a bunch of home games. So yeah, that's an interesting point because I think. Like you said, it's probably something that would go kind of unnoticed at a lot of different places. But like you said, um, obviously these guys are trying to go play at the next level somewhere. So when they get there, the more things they can have prepared before being in that situation, the better, right? Because I would assume that would just – they want to be impact guys right off the bat. If you're coming from a junior college, you don't want to be, oh, maybe I'll take my time and kind of develop at the next level. No, you, you want they want guys who are coming in and, and making an impact, right, like almost immediately. Right. So how do, you, how do you guys prepare guys to go do that at some big, like big-time programs? Um, you know, it has it has a lot to do with recruiting as well. Yeah. Uh, so we try to bring in as much talent as possible, so these guys are competing every day. Very uh, true. You know, my guy, my guys know as a receiver, like you miss a practice, your your reps are pretty much gone because there's another guy right behind you that's just as hungry oh, yeah. to get those reps. So if you're not focused, if you're having a bad day, if you're, I mean, I know we all have bad days, but if you're, you know, if you're down and you're dropping the ball and you're getting plays and things like yeah, that. Yeah, you're making remember. it a bad day. Exactly. Like, and there's guys behind you that, that want what you have. So we continue to – you have to, you know, compete and compete and compete. Uh, I, on Tuesday when we had practice, you know, we, we did offense versus defense and, and we did, you know, if, if offense scored or if the defense stopped us, mm-hmm. the leader had, had, a, had a full gas in. You know, totally. so we have to, we have to do – we have to do little things like that to continue to, you know, keep the energy and keep the camaraderie at practice. And, and the guys went after it, you know. Oh, so I bet. how we kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, nobody likes to run. So, uh, <laughs> no, they do not. So that was uh. another thing, you know. But uh, but I think just having that competitive edge, um, you know, at practice, uh, you know, I think it helps a lot of these guys once they go to their next level, yeah. uh, next, you know, next school because, you know, you know, in Juco, like, you don't really, we don't really have a lot. You know, we don't necessarily have our own weight room or we don't have, you know, our own dorms or things like that. So a lot mm-hmm. of the guys, once they get to their next school, they're not expecting, you know, to get this for free or to get this or get that. They already know how to handle themselves yeah. and, and get the job done because, you know, a lot of times in the Juco world, you don't really have a lot of the things that you would have at, say, at Alabama or at LSU or something like oh, yeah. that. I, yeah, you're, I think you're definitely an understatement there. You're totally right. Now, I want to say, was it Harbaugh that would have the winners run and practice and things? Mm-hmm, miss you. Yeah. 
I've yeah. always, yeah, I've always looked. That. I mean, yeah, yeah. I kind of respect yeah. it too. But I've, I've just they wondered, get get better right? Exactly. Say. Like, like you guys, but, you've earned the chance to get better, and actually, yeah. but you guys, no, you don't deserve it. Like, you got to sit there and watch right. it. <laughs> I've always thought that was right. so interesting, and I've always wondered, like, as a player, what that would feel like. You know, because you can talk about it, yeah. right. but until you've like, yeah. you're at the end of practice and you just whooped the other team, and you're like, now I have to run. Yeah. Especially if you're a winner, you yeah. just keep winning everything. Right? You're just gonna keep running all practice. Yeah. I've always yeah. thought that was the most interesting because, like you said, nobody likes to run. And I was like, I mean, shoot, right. I was running a couple laps around my neighborhood before this, and I was like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm a running back. Like, I <laughs> this is terrible. I don't like this stuff, man. But um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I always thought, like, as a player, that would be such an interesting kind of mindset. But back back on the JUCO thing, yeah. um, Mitch and I have a buddy we played high school with. He's playing out at. Uh, Gosh, why am I blanking now? It's in Iowa. Uh, what is it? The Iowa Central, Iowa Western. Uh, uh, Ari, where's Ari at? ECU. Yeah. Uh, East Christian. No, it's uh, the Panthers. Remember. Purple Panthers. Ah. What is the name? Why am I totally blanking on it? Anyways, he's thinking. playing. He's playing JUCO out in uh, Iowa Falls, and uh, okay. I remember him. He was kind of talking to us like in the first couple months. He's like, "Yeah, like you know, like we're super optimistic." Like, yeah, you know, we're getting we're getting the work in, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying my experience, whatever. And I think after those first couple months set in, I remember kind of a little bit of a switch in, a switch in attitude, like, man. Yeah, I remember D Texas one time, he was like, the struggle's real, boys. Like, the struggle is 100% real. Like, it's no joke. I mean, I think it's funny, Um, you know, I was watching like a Last Chance You or something, and that's really glorified yeah. the experience in some aspects. And they show the real, like, the the depth of it and um, the realness of it at times. But I think it does glorify it a little bit. And he was like, dude... I remember talking to him. He was like, dude, he's like, this is no TV show out here. This is like bare minimum. We are here to work. And so I think seeing that mindset change in him has been super interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of guys go through that. Do you see that in a lot of guys in their first year there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like guys will get here and, you know, they're, they're first in their they're first, you know, when it comes to sprints and they're first in that, first in this. Yep. And, and, and after a while, they're like, oh, man, okay, like, I have to continue to keep this up every every day, and yeah. you know a lot of the times you can't you can't necessarily you know go home you you can't see family and things like that. You may be able to, to video chat with them, but it's a lot different, especially when you're doing a lot of things on your own because some yeah. programs don't you know necessarily provide a meal plan or if it's a meal plan, it's kind of like a scaled down meal plan. So you're eating noodles and stuff all day. You know you just got done with with, with practice. You guys got done with weights, and now you got to go. You know, make this peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and, and it's kind of like, oh, that's my dinner for the day. So yeah. I, you know, things like that, and now I got to go sit in this three-hour class, and the teachers just be talking, and I'm trying to kind of sleep or something like that. So it's just, yeah, you know, that 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 juco struggle is. I definitely understand that life. Um, you know, I, granted, you know, I didn't go juco, but just coaching okay. juco, I can, I, you know, I see a lot of it. Um, you know, out of my players and and. That's that's the that's the kind of hard part, you know. It's like I said, you know, keeping their spirits up and, and just making sure that they, you know, continue to keep their eyes on the prize and, and, and you know, making sure that they know there's something better planned for you. So just continue to push it and keep working. Totally. And it was Ellsworth Community College, by the way. I don't know why I had blanked okay. on that. It that was bad because okay. I've had I had his D I've had his D line coach on the podcast twice, Coach Garland. He's been awesome to have on. Mm-hmm. I, that's that's on me, Coach. If you're listening, that was a, that was a bad blank right there. But um, I think you really touched on the biggest thing for me, uh, especially looking at and now having somebody who's going going through this experience and having a couple other friends that have gone through it is the accountability mm-hmm. factor. 
And a lot of times these yeah. guys need to learn very quickly that they need to be, and it really, ideally it should be this way at all levels of, of college, right? Like going off and mm-hmm. learning how to, you know, handle it. But like, let's be honest, like some kids get, some kids get uh, like catered to, right? Or like at yeah. certain yeah. levels, right? You get a lot of things handed to you, Definitely. but, I, but for them, yeah. for the, for the guys at the Juco level, like you have to learn that your actions, you're responsible for them. And that's it. Like if you mess exactly. up, that's on you. And I think obviously I can't speak from experience, but um, for me, that would be the biggest thing is just that accountability piece. So I would assume also yeah. though, if you've got a guy who can come out of that and really thrive in that environment and be successful, that's got to be a really big draw for a lot of coaches to come in there and recruit guys to get out of there. Right. Exactly. And, and we have, you know, for, for us down here in Miami, we, we have a, a, an extra factor for our guys and that's Miami. So you know, true. there's yeah. constantly, you know, especially during when we just had spring break and, and there was so many people down here and it's just oh, yeah. trying to keep those guys, trying to keep those guys focused and, and, and understand like, hey, like you'll be able to party after we finish this or after we finish <laughs> Yeah, the like season, you're you in know? season. So that's, yeah. That's exactly. Tough. So like that's, that, that having that mindset of you're down here for a reason, you're down here to handle business, you're not down here to party. Um, you know, some guys, you know, some guys struggle with it and some guys, you know, understand, Hey, this is how I'm going to feed my family. So mm-hmm. I can party, you know, I can party later on down the line in life, but right now I just need to handle business. So I think some, it, it takes some guys, you know, a little bit longer than others to kind of realize that. But once they realize that, you know, they just, you know, boss to the wall. That's good. Let's yeah. get it done. You know, for so. sure. And it's not like, you know, Ellsworth, like I said, Iowa falls, like Ari was saying, like our buddy, he was like. There is nothing yeah. out here. There is absolutely. So then you take that grind that you already have, and there is no break. There is no release or escape. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. everything, and that's magnified tenfold because that you can't escape it. So I think yeah. to have that balance, like I, I could definitely assume that it would bring a lot of challenges, like you said, to keep guys' heads in the game, especially in season when you're in the spring. And, the you know, it's mm-hmm. not that it's never not nice out in Florida, but it's, yeah. it's like, really nice out in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and guys' yeah. guys minds, really nice. I'm sure, are just, are just all over the place. But also, though, like you said, as a recruiting piece, like who doesn't want to be next to Miami? So right. I think that's really interesting. So um, – the other thing I wanted to ask you, though, have you had any, like, I know you've, you came on the staff in March of 2020, right? Uh, 2019. Oh, no, 2019. Okay, 2020. Okay. They're all starting to mesh together now, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. They are. But I know, so you haven't, you haven't been on there too long, but I just wanted to ask it, that you knew of. Do you guys have any big-time steals in, like, the recent years or, or guys that kind of had the talent to go be playing some Power 5 ball? Or have you sent off any any big names recently? Um, recently, uh, I'm not sure. I know they, they, uh, last year they sent off a receiver. Um, his name is Justin. Uh, he's playing at Utah State right now. There you go. Um, he actually, you know, when they, I think they played, I think they played like Nevada on ESPN or something like that. And he had like a game winning touchdown or something Shoot. like that. Uh, oh, Utah State's big time. So, uh, that's Jordan Love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to yeah. say that's Jordan Love's. That's where he's from. Yeah. The whole yeah. Packer situation. We're gonna we talked about uh, Aaron Rodgers earlier and that whole situation and how he's displeased oh, with, with yeah. the Packers. So that that came to mind immediately. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I think yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So he's went there. You know, we sent a couple of other kids. You know, Division Two things like that. Um, you know, so we were just continuing to because I say Miami is only uh, I want to say six or seven years old. Real okay. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's it's you know still a fairly new program. Uh, I know Khalil Mack's brother came through the program. Um, really? 
ended up yeah ended up going to Buffalo. Yeah, I was just uh, saying, I knew he was like there. Brother and stuff, so, huh. so um, yeah, that that one kind of surprised me too. I was like, Khalil Mack's brother, really? So, <laughs> you know, went back and did you know went back and did my my history, and, and then there you go. he was there. You know, so um, you know, I think as time continues to go, and I think as as our brand continues to build, we'll definitely you know get a lot of those guys out to, to those Power Five schools. For sure, yeah, and it's it's really interesting for me to see some of the, I guess for lack of a better term, like a pipeline that starts to develop. You know that um, it might not be every single year, but there are definitely schools in like those Power 5 conferences that those coaches have a, a list of schools that of JUCOs that they're going to go check out because they know that whether it is the system in place or the coaches or just the talent, like the area that they have, um, they're going to go yeah. and check out what they've got every single year. So I think the dynamic that plays in college football is super interesting, and I've I've really loved learning about it, having guys on from some of the different areas. So I hopefully we can continue um, to do that. But um, just to finish it off before I let you go, Coach, NFL draft-wise, I know so you're a Michigan guy. You're a Central and Michigan State uh, alum, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so who's uh, who, what NFL team are you with? Are you uh, you identifying in the with the Floridians now, or are you still a Lions guy? Uh, <laughs> uh, I would, I'm still a Lions fan at heart. You know, it sounded a little hesitant. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, not to call me K, but I just feel like, you know, I just kind of feel like if I cheer for the Dolphins, it's kind of like cheering for the Lions because they both kind of, you know, been yeah. like a bottom tier, you know, in the past. But uh-huh. um, I'm really excited to see what the Lions, you know, are, are going to be doing in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, I was I was a little shocked when they took the o, o- lineman at seven, you know, I, really? I thought they were going to, I thought they might've went, you know, Devontae Smith, but he was, you know, mm-hmm. right there. But I understand, you know, you got to show up the deal. You got to show up the O-line. Yeah. You know, since our, our, since our head coach wants to be biting ankles and kneecaps taking them off and all. Yeah. yeah all oh the, yeah. Stuff he was talking about at the yeah. And stuff. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see, you know, what happens. Uh, I hope we get, some, some receivers that one of my other coaches asked me, he was like, Hey, who, who's the, the receivers for the Lions right now? I said, To be honest with you, I have no idea. It's tough. Uh, yeah, it's I, tough. I, I know we just got a, a few yeah. free agents, uh, Perriman and somebody else. We still we have, uh, Mon St. Brown. Yep. And Cephas from last year. I say, Quintus Cephas so is coming back. We again. also have, okay. um, I'm blanking, uh, Sanu is still on the roster. He's a little bit up there in age, oh, but he's, he's, okay. he's, he, I know, I know. He's still kicking. He's, he's, still, still, kicking. he's still producing, though. He's still producing. Yeah. But yeah, losing, yeah. losing Galladay yeah. and Jones is going to be, it's going to yeah. be really Huge. difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I, yeah. I think that's, they addressed it a little bit later in the draft. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I loved the first round pick, so we'll, we'll talk about that more, but, um, I just, you know, I think they could have addressed that yeah. wide receiver position a little bit earlier. I'd have to agree with you, but yeah, um, yeah you know, anything did anything really surprise you from that draft class? Um, I know those first two picks were kind of locked in, but after that, I mean, once Trey Lance went to the 49ers, nobody really knew yeah. what was uh, what was kind of going. Right. Anything what really was, stand out to you? Going on? Um, I'm actually surprised that you know Justin Fields, you know, kind of. I didn't really know where he was going to go. I don't think anyone you did. Know, he was, it's like a wild was, card, you know. Yeah, such a wild factor, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, I was just like, man, like, where's these guys going to go? I just hope that they take care of him in Chicago. Uh, you know, Chicago hasn't been the best to, to quarterbacks lately. No, not you at know? all. So, uh, so I hope that they take care of him. Uh, I really think he's a he's a, he's a phenomenal player. Yeah, he um, is. You know, but that, that kind of, I think that part surprised me a little bit. Um, I was expecting – 
uh, you know, him to maybe go to Carolina or something. Yeah, I agreed. I thought that was going to be the unquarterback, the direction. I've never seen yeah, more exactly. unwarranted criticism come to a guy than Justin Fields in the last couple yeah. like weeks to a month. Isn't it's just been yeah. really odd for me? Yeah. I I don't quite understand he where all this coming seat. from. Yeah, and like exactly. his head coaches and all these coaches have endorsed him and said like you know preached about his work ethic and things of that nature. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have guys sitting behind microphones that are just spewing yeah. basically hate about this dude. So I don't. Exactly. It's got to come from somewhere. I just don't know where. Yeah. I think it's just a story. You know, I yeah. think around the around the draft, you know, somebody puts a little bit of bait out there, and then people uh-huh. just go crazy with it. You know, and the draft day stories between, are unreal. Oh, they're they're ridiculous. They are. Know, they're they're so ridiculous, and and it was like at least like it was like two weeks where I just like didn't think about the draft, where I didn't have time because we were doing some stuff with football, and of then like, I come back and everybody's like. Oh, Justin Fields is falling. I'm like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> they were just talking about him and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, going too, right. And then exactly. Now, out of nowhere, they're talking about this dude's going 15th and or yeah. he's going 10th. And I'm like, this dude from I'm like, whoa, like, Yeah, yeah. Like, unreal. I'm just like, I'm so confused, and, and you know, I was just like, wow, I guess so. But I think he'll be one of those one of those guys. You know, kind of just like Jalen Hurts. You know, I kind of he kind of surprised everybody last year. Yeah. I think you know Justin Fields will probably kind of kind of do the same thing. Um, so I'm just you know excited to see a lot of these guys. You know, we we hear about them in college mm-hmm. level, so now you know make now that we'll, translate. We'll see, yeah, now we'll see what, what they can really do. Exactly, uh, I'm rooting for him 100. percent I'll be I'll be uh, you know not not too much you know same division type of thing, yeah. but I, I hope he doesn't you know right. go and uh, go and burn <laughs> into the ground or whatever. But coach, right. That's all right. I've got for you today. I really appreciate you uh, stopping and talking with us for a little bit. Hey, I appreciate you guys, you guys having me on. And, and anytime you guys you know want to talk some more, hey, like I said, I'm always willing to talk. So. Hey, you know, I'll take uh, you up on that. So don't you know, don't empty, yeah. don't empty off for that. Uh, hey, hey, I'm here. So, you know. <laughs> appreciate that, coach. You have a good one. All right, you guys too. Bye bye. Right, See ya. Good talk with Coach Thompson. Hopefully, we'll be having him on in the future. Sounded like he'd be he'd be down for that. So that was good. Uh, always good to get those uh, JUCO perspectives on the pod, but. Back in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, he wants out of Green Bay. He's not directly addressed anything as of yet, but it started on draft day. Of course, it started. everything starts on draft day. The drama starts stirring, and you see yep. all of these all these programs Stirred start up. to leak information. I use air quotes if you're just listening to the pod because a lot of times the information is so fake. Um, but everyone's reporting right now that Rodgers wanted to leave Green Bay unless Brian Gutekunst, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, the current GM was fired. So he's even threatened retirement if his demands are not met at this point. It's it's, it's, it's a so weird hard situation. to understand it's what's kind of the a, truth, like what's like right? the real deal, especially when it's not coming from somebody's mouth. But let's be honest: if I'm Aaron Rodgers, after he already discussed his like how mad he was last year with yep. the draft, like and that, obviously this makes something wasn't addressed. Sense. Something wasn't addressed. This makes complete sense yeah. that they're in that situation. He's out here trying to win a Super Bowl because he's and got he damn close Adams two years in a row. Jones. Yeah, he's got Devontae NFC championship the last like, two years. He right forty niners and bucks. Like realistically. Green Bay should is a team that I don't know. Don't get doesn't get they enough credit. Almost all the pieces. They are almost. missing some on defense yeah. for sure. Defense. Especially at the linebacker position. They weren't very healthy there. Um and their secondary it was a little bit lackluster. But it's just gotta be frustrating for him, I would imagine. Yeah. Um but Terry Bradshaw ripped into Rodgers. Called him yeah. weak, called him uh, amongst other things because his whole Jordan Love situation is very similar to what Rodgers and his predecessor Favre really went through over ten years ago. Right. right? So uh, Bradshaw thought he should recognize that and handle it a little bit more like a, quote, professional, right? So he that makes sense. 
And that's in one side to look at it, right? I want to say too, the Green Bay they have like a little curse going. But who is he to say like Green Bay is a little bit of a it's it's a kind of a good curse. Like the good the good Green Bay quarterbacks are sixteen years. Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers have only played sixteen years. Look at that that year has something weird about it. They've all been done. That but was sixteen years is a long time. I was like, I don't even know if you can call I that never a curse. Heard that. Now you made me nervous. I don't even know if you can call that a curse. Sixteen years of that much success at the program. I don't know if you can call that's, that a curse. That's, yeah. that's the curse. Might it doesn't blessing. happen. But yeah, blessing. I get what you're saying. Um, but either way, uh, for me, the, the kind of the most interesting thing about this whole situation for me has been that five or ten years ago, an NFL player didn't have this power or leverage to be able to hold I an organization know. like this accountable. Unless your name kind of sounded like Tom Brady, I don't think you could have. And even then, I don't know if he had that no, power. No, Tom Brady could have. He probably. He but he wouldn't. Man. He wouldn't have. But he could have. But so here's my perspective on that is think about like how they how social media changes things when Deshaun Watson says he wants out of Houston and mm-hmm. why he wants out of Houston, bam, everybody hears like what's going on with the coaching situation and yep. it's a big old thing. Now so all of like, a sudden the spotlights are there. Yeah, everything have yep. more of a platform to do such a thing because That's the, very really true. the players yeah. do control it. They just have always shut up and played. Now they're actually they're like, their own brands now. Now they're they like, represent yeah, themselves. Yeah. yeah. So it's very interesting. It's, it's becoming a lot more like the NBA, much more reminiscent of the NBA. Yeah. Especially with the passing of the new collective bargaining agreement. I don't know how much you've seen about that, but the players' association has kind of taken a much a much larger stand. They're keeping they're inching towards like a 50-50 revenue basically, which really? is I don't know if they're ever going to get there because the owners just don't concede. You know what There's I mean? Never, that'll so never I just don't know if it ever will. But they're getting closer and closer and closer. Some sometime someone's going to put a foot down. I don't know when that will be, but for me, it's it's. The NBA, the whole reason you have super teams and these other things, it's not because the, the coaches and the GMs are going out. No, the players are recruiting each other. Mm-hmm. They want to go win a championship, so they, they they do what they have to do. They leverage their own yeah. organizations. It, it really, I mean, it From an outsider's perspective, it sucks, but, like, it makes sense. But, I mean, like, putting on the show for these players yeah. with all the, that's the whole thing. And it's a money. Like, it, yeah. it, it brings in good money, I would assume, to see all these superstars together. Why wouldn't it? You know, you know Brooklyn Nets are. You know how many jerseys the Brooklyn Nets have probably sold That's, from these. That they is a millions great, and millions that is a of dollars. Great and point. Kevin Durant, yeah, three different colors and Kevin Durant jerseys. <laughs> I'll take all three. And Guess what? My, my little niece wants a Kyrie. I got that. Like, <laughs> oh, they make bank. What? James Harden just scored forty. I'll take one of those. Yeah. Oh, they got new flap rims, new era. Yeah, <laughs> new era. <laughs> That's good, but. Um, switching out of the NFL to finish up the pod here on some college football talk, Northwood out of the GLIAC. We talked about it a good bit with Coach Milbreath. All Northwood athletic programs are moving to the GMAC after 2021. So I wanted to give you this right here. In 2000, the GLIAC included teams like Findlay, Indianapolis, Mercyhurst, Ashland, Hillsdale, and Northwood. All of which are gone as of, well, Northwood will be gone in 2022, but the rest are gone. 2022, we're left with Northern Michigan, Michigan Tech, Grand Valley, Ferris State, Davenport, Wayne State and Saginaw Valley, just six. I think it's kind of narrowing the bunch. Like yeah. I think they're kind of they're making a stand that this is the best division. Yeah, two conference. Now I will say, like losing a lot of those teams wasn't that big of a deal, but Ashland had won the league. A, yeah, like, I'm a lot in recent years. It was kind of a travel thing. Well, I know for sure because they're in Ohio school. Yeah, but they're right? not that far. Are they? So I don't. Oh think no, they're three hours from where we're at. I'm gonna say they're pretty. They're kind of a hike, but um, you know that was definitely a travel thing. Was part of it. Um, 
But I also heard from a few people, a few sources from D1 Rejects, that really a lot of the problems with a lot of the Ohio schools, too, was the fact that the GLIAC was almost catering to Grand Valley, to Ferris State. Oh, to that like makes that. complete sense. Uh-huh. So, Davenport's uh, brand new. It could be tiny things as, as little as, like, uh, not even really, that's not really a tiny thing, but home games. They'd give all the home games to those types of schools, so they wouldn't have to travel. These Ohio schools get sick of the traveling and stuff like that. Another thing that I, uh, I heard from somebody else was that a lot of these schools aren't actually fully funded. And I didn't know this was a thing at the Division II level. Division II, you can have 36 equivalencies of the school's tuition as your scholarship money. Now, all of the GLIAC schools are fully funded. So there are schools in the, is it the Sun Belt, the Minnesota Conference? There are schools in there that have only 16 scholarships. Yeah. 16 equivalencies. Oh, yeah. I didn't even oh, know it was a thing. So, oh, okay. So some of these schools are like, we only we don't have 30, we have like maybe 16, 20 scholarships. We're competing with Grand Valley yeah. and Ferris. What yeah. are we doing? Let's get out of here and go compete against some of, like someone yeah. our own size. You know what I mean? That's messed up. So yeah. I think that was a big thing um, for them. But the GLIAC has been known, obviously, as the best Division II football in the country. Right? And now with these guys leaving, is is that title leaving too? That's the thing. I don't think so because it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years. But a couple other options would be the Mountain East Conference. You have Notre Dame College, Charleston are both really good. But this one, the Gulf South, they the problem with the Gulf South is they don't have depth. But let me tell you the top two teams in the Gulf South. The reigning champs, West Florida, who beat uh, Ferris State in the championship. Okay. And then you have Valdosta State, who was 8-0 in the regular season and then went and dominated in the playoffs, too. Are they just good lately? Do they have the They've, history like Grand Valley? That's, like, the, that's thing. the thing. They don't have that same history. Yeah. I don't believe. I, I could Valley be, I could be totally like wrong. Grand Valley is the best winning percentage in college football. Spoon. Now, I want to talk about Grand Valley, though, because Grand Valley, in all seriousness, should be a Division One program. They are. The thing that separates Grand Valley from a Division One program is literally nothing but the amount of scholarships. Because Grand Valley has, I want to say, 25,000 kids. They have the student body. They have all of the facilities of a Division One program. A high-level FBS Division One program. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. They have the funding. They, they have the donors. They have everything but the title. The athletes are the, the Division athletes are One caliber. Just about that. Like, because they get a bunch of – that's their scheme is they get a bunch of guys who weren't – who weren't they didn't like their division one situation. So come to Grand Valley, you'll mm-hmm. play. You know what I mean? So for me to it wouldn't be a surprise to see them go to a Mac or go to an FCS. If we got an FCS level program in Michigan, that could be interesting because we don't have that currently. That would be really nice. That's the one That'd level we're really missing sick. in Michigan. But see you that's not going to happen cuz not even there's not even there's only 6 teams in the GLIAC now and that's the, that's the highest so, in between. And now the problem is if you thought they were catering to Grand Valley before, now Grand Valley could just threaten to leave anytime they want and they're probably going to get what they want. Of course. This is from an outsider's perspective. This is all assuming. No, and that's, but that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm talking into a microphone. No, like, you know I, what I mean? It makes sense. It though. does. Because if you have the power, when, when, you're, when you're in that position and they and you're like the golden child of all you, of them. That's exactly a great, great way to put it. Yeah, you're going to get what you want. Yeah, so why do, I mean, going back to Northwood, though. First of all, do we think they're going to have more success in the GMAC? Yeah. I would say probably. Right, because you're just not playing they're against. a small school. You're not, they are like 1,400 Bro, kids, dude. They're smaller than my school. They're smaller than our high school. And they're smaller than my school. Yeah, your school's small too. So our Sienna school, Heights my is school is like what? a little bit smaller than our school. Jesus, dude. But yeah, Northwood's like I think like fourteen hundred kids, a little private school. But um, they only won one game last year against Northern Michigan, of course. But, Bro, you're about yeah. to get kicked out next. Uh, nah, we we well the where's Northern gonna go? No, that's the whole thing. You guys are at the top with a big dome. We have to go, so to go to Minnesota. They're gonna we'd have to go to Minnesota, the Sun Belt or whatever. But we won't go there. We'll, we'll stay. We're, move, we'll, this, move the dome. But why do we think Northwood left? It, the location isn't, isn't an issue. Because they lose. They just they just got sick of getting beat up. And they don't have enough kids. 
You think There's so? There's no point. Why are we gonna go? Why are we gonna go over to Davenport with 7,500 kids? Davenport's that big. 500, 5,000. Say Northwood's like, or North, Northern is like 7,400. like 70, I think it's like I didn't know Davenport was that big. When I was there, they said it was something close to Interesting. And then Tech is what? Tech's like five to 6,000. Why are we going to go and play these schools that have a student section that are bigger than our whole (laughs) fans? Like uh, our whole fans. Like our whole bleachers. It's it's just interesting though. So I think the next, I'd say six months, we're going to see some big news come. Like like Milbrath said from the Gleak, something's gonna be in the works. Something Ooh, is. But in that's the, works. the question. Who? Who? So I think next week I'm gonna we're gonna start speculating. I do some research. We're gonna start speculating mm-hmm. to see who will come in, who will go, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Otherwise, though, you've made it to the end of the episode, and for that we're very thankful. That is that's that's, that's pretty if big you're time. Still here, like that's, like, that's pretty All big right. time. All right. Appreciate you. Fist bump if you're here on the on the anchor. On the, fist bump the fist bump the mic. There we go. See, little Max. I think I broke it. Yeah, let's not do that anymore. But in all seriousness, thank you so much for listening. Check us out, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you want, Twitter, Instagram. We're everywhere. You can't escape us. Division One Rejects, <laughs> Mitch Hall and Kobe Manzo. Thank you.